This is episode 398 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, 8 Hurricane Preparedness Tips That Make a Lot of Sense. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by my ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like to get some more information and join the Prepper Website forums, come on over to the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com or click the link in the show notes. Before we dive into our article, and I think our article is very timely as a reason why I'm doing that, I want to point you to an article that I wrote this weekend called Prepper Facts, a frequently asked questions about preppers in the preparedness community. And I know that there's a lot of people that come to the podcast and you know, you're know you new to preparedness. And for whatever reason, maybe you, you uh, hit this podcast from another podcast or you were just searching for something interesting or you searched a certain topic and we popped up and you're, you're listening. And I, I want to welcome you and I hope that you subscribe and you stick around. But if you're looking for like a base, basic information about preppers and why we do some of the things that we do, I really want to point you to this article. Uh, like I said, it's called Prepper facts and I'm linking to it in the show notes and I think I'm going to just keep that as a regular link there because I know that a lot of people have questions like hey why do preppers do this or or why is this you know a thing and I don't have all the answers there yet I'm going to be working on it but it is a, a long article I did put a lot of information in there and so anyone who is new to preparedness or has some questions that would be a great starting point so I'm going to go ahead and put that in the show notes I'll leave that there, and maybe from time to time, I'll read a little bit from it. So again, it's called Prepper Facts. It's going to be over at PrepperWebsite.com. All right, so the reason that I'm reading this article uh, is an article that I wrote a while back um, at the very beginning of hurricane season, you know, coming off of a year where we had Hurricane Harvey and, uh, you know, some of the things that we went through with that, because we've gone through, I live in Houston, Texas, we've gone through a lot of hurricanes here, but Hurricane Harvey did some things that are, made it a little bit different. Our experience is a little bit different than what we've experienced in the past. And so I decided to write that article to kind of help anybody who is dealing with you know, the, the issues of hurricane, possible hurricane. Um, but not only that, there's just a lot of information here that's not necessarily just pertains to hurricanes. It really can pertain to a lot of different things, you know, as far as preparedness goes. And so I think it's relevant uh, for a lot of different areas. But uh, this uh, this weekend, uh, you know, Jamie over at uh, the Prepper website Facebook group had just been, you know, asked the question. Um, they're getting ready for uh, Hurricane Florence, the possibility of Hurricane Florence, and she's like, "Hey, is there anything else that I have forgotten?" And so, you know, people chimed in and shared some things, and I remembered this article and I put it into the the comment section, and uh, you know, just kind of left it at that. Well, then every morning. Uh, automatically linked to a, 
a video called Suspicious Observers. And I know that I've talked about uh, the video in the past. And uh, Ben over at Suspicious Observers, he talks about you know the sun and solar, and solar weather and uh, you know regu- our regular weather here on Earth and and all those different kinds of things and earthquakes, which. Really, guys, I don't know if you, and even from, I was talking to someone from like a biblical perspective, the hurricanes are, I'm sorry, the earthquakes are right out of control, man. I mean, they're just crazy. And so my Suspicious Observer app just has been going off with just earth, with earthquakes. I want to keep saying hurricanes. With earthquakes that are, and I have it set to only alert me with earthquakes that are 6.0 and above. And it's been going off and I'm like, wow, you know, it's like every time I watch it, and, and I'm like, man, I hope it's it's not, you know, the big one somewhere, uh, which really, you know, there has been some really big ones lately. So anyway, I, I watch what Ben says. I think it's very important. So I have it on an automatic feed to go over to the Prepper website Facebook group. So you don't have to go to YouTube and search for it and all that kind of stuff. It just automatically shows up every every morning there. And uh, as I was reading it this morning, I'm sorry, as I was watching it this morning, um, he was talking about the two different models for Flor- for Hurricane Florence. So there's two different models for uh, hurricanes, the way that they predict hurricanes and the path of a hurricane. So this first one, you know, one of the ones that he's talking about has it going and it kind of bounces off the coast. So it goes, it hits the coast and then it bounces off. And really the, the dirty side of the storm never really gets to land. And that is that would be the best possible outcome for the people that are over there on the East Coast for it to bounce off and then head back to water and then kind of just dissipate as it as it goes back into the water. Right. The one that is a little bit scarier is the one that goes in. The other model has it going inland and then stalling out. And guys, that's what Hurricane Harvey did. It kind of uh, it, it came and it kind of stalled out, and it just continued to rain and rain and rain. And so we really got to uh, you know keep these people in our prayers. Uh, you know, if you're over there on the East Coast, I think it's um, I think Jamie was saying that it's supposed to hit like Thursday, and I really haven't looked at the new. Yeah, the new forecast on that. But, you know, if that's the case, you still have a couple of days as you're listening to this podcast. And uh, I know people are, you know, making preparations and all those kinds of things. But if it is that one where it just kind of stalls out, man, that is, uh, that's not going to be good. So if you are there, and let's just say you are in a situation where you don't have the best preparedness plans put into place. It could be that you do take a little mini vacation and you go a little bit further inland. And if it is that model where it bounces off, you know, like for instance, let's say if you lived in an apartment and, uh, you know, there it was a situation where if it started flooding, you know, your water is going to be turned off, your sewer is going to be, it's not going to run and get backed up and, and you're not going to be able to get out. You're going to be kind of trapped and whatever, right? If you, if you just don't feel like you have enough preparedness in place for this, then you might, like I said, take a little mini vacation. And if it's the hurricane bounces off the coast and goes back into the water, well, then you just come back. But if it's not, man, then you are safe and you can go may stay with relatives or you can go get a, a cheap hotel or whatever it might be, you know, go far enough inland where you can go camping for a couple of days. If you have that option, that might be something that that you might want to to do. But you got to do that early on before it gets crazy and people are trying to get out of town and then you're, you know, there's traffic and it's all stalled out. You don't want to be caught in all of that. 
So I wanted to share this article with you. Again, this is an article that I wrote um, a couple of months back called Eight Hurricane Preparedness Tips That Make a Lot of Sense. And uh, I'll read it and then kind of bounce off of it a little bit as well. And uh, hopefully this will help you if you uh, find yourself you know, in the path of a hurricane because it is hurricane season. And like I said, I think it's just great information here for anybody who is wanting to be a little bit more prepared. So let's go ahead and jump into this. The scenes of destruction are still fresh on everyone's mind. In fact, you can easily find plenty of neighborhoods that are still ravaged due to Hurricane Harvey. The Gulf Coast hasn't recovered from last year's hurricane season, but it's time to get ready for the next round. And guys, I just went even after months after I've written this one, it's still the case. There are still neighborhoods that are just trashed out because things are, are, are have been so bad. All right. Fortunately, there are things that you can do to help get you and your family prepared for hurricane season. The key is to start preparing now. And as an added bonus, it is good to know that many of these tips are just smart to know for any emergency you might face. So hurricane preparedness tip number one, decide if you're staying or leaving. Indecision isn't good when you're talking about emergency preparedness. Many people have different opinions when it comes to evacuating or riding out a storm. You need to take into account your family situation and your level of acceptable risk. For example, if you have elderly parents or grandparents living with you, you might not want to risk losing power for days and seeing them overheated. At the same time, you don't want to be on the road and get stuck in traffic with everyone else trying to evacuate either. Older people and extremely frail individuals died on the side of the freeway during Hurricane Ike because their vehicles ran out of gas and they became overheated. You need to decide early on if you're going to evacuate. It is always better to make plans when you are not in the middle of a crisis situation and then activate those plans when the time comes. You can visit family in another state, get a cheap hotel or motel room, travel far enough inland and go camping or whatever else you would like to do if you want to evacuate. But don't delay in making that decision. Hurricane preparedness tip number two. Prepare things you don't usually think about, cooking, coffee, medication, and washing your clothes. Many people know that they should get basic supplies. Food, water, and batteries usually fly off the shelves when a hurricane's path is published where it will land. However, there are some things that people don't think about that should be considered. You have food, but do you have a way to cook it? If your power goes out, you don't want to cook inside on your stove, even if you have a gas stovetop. Using it will heat up your kitchen and by default your home more than it needs to be. Instead, you will want to cook outside like on a burner on a gas grill. Or you could purchase a propane stove and some small canisters. This will allow you to cook and warm up food without adding heat to your home. Are you a coffee drinker? If you are a coffee drinker, you don't want to be dealing with the lack of caffeine after a big storm. You should either get some coffee singles that you can drop in some hot water or get an old-fashioned percolator coffee maker that you can use on your propane stove. Do you have all the medication you need if the power was out for a week and your pharmacy didn't have the power to open? Make sure that you don't have any important medication prescriptions ready to be filled. And do you have laundry and dishes to be washed? Wash all your dirty clothes and all your dishes just in case you don't have the power to start your washing machine. You don't want to run out of clean underwear. An inverter is priceless when you lose power in a hurricane or storm. It can save you from losing all of your food in your refrigerator or freezer. 
you will have access to power to charge your smartphones, tablets, and laptops, and it provides power to run a fan to cool down the elderly. They cost a fraction of what a generator costs, so every family can afford one. Inverters connect to your car battery either through alligator clips that connect straight to the battery or through the cigarette lighter. They convert alternate power, 12-volt AC, to direct power, 110-volt DC. You then run an extension cord into your house, connect an electrical strip, and power your electrical devices. You should keep your vehicle on when you are powering electrical devices. Your vehicle has a huge gas tank. This will ensure that you can power your electrical devices for a long time if you fill up your gas tank before the hurricane hits. You don't have to run your refrigerator or freezer nonstop. You really only need to run it for one to two hours to keep the inside cold or frozen until power is restored to your neighborhood. The inverter needs to be big enough to handle the surge that your refrigerator freezer will require to start the compressor. An inverter of 1500 to 2000 watts should handle this for you. Remember, the purpose of having an inverter for your refrigerator and freezer is to save the food you have inside. The power that the inverter offers shouldn't be used to replace your normal electrical power. You want to keep getting into your refrigerator to a minimum. You don't want to spend a ton of money replacing everything inside of your fridge. All right, so let me just spend just a little bit of time here. The When you connect your refrigerator, so there's that, auto, there's that surge that happens to get the compressor on. So a lot of inverters, and I say 1,500 to 2,000 watts here, there's a lot of uh, inverters that are smaller, maybe like 750 watts, but they have a surge of 1,500 watts or maybe 2,000 or something like that. And so I believe mine was a little bit smaller. I think maybe it's 1,000 watts or 750 watts around there, but it was able to power on my refrigerator because it has that surge. So it'll allow a, a quick surge and then it, you know, it goes back. So your refrigerator will, will surge and then it goes to a normal you know, wattage output. And so that's one thing that you need to, to consider. But you, know, you only need to run it for one to two hours you know, every so often. And that will keep the food cold inside and things frozen in there. You know, when you think about it, if you have all the condiments and all the things that you normally have in there and you have vegetables and you know, you, you have to throw those things out because you wind up losing your power. All those things add up and you can easily throw out hundreds of dollars if you have a refrigerator stocked up with all those things. So an inverter that might cost 45, 50 bucks will save you a lot of, uh, you know, headaches there when you're having to replace all that stuff. And then also, again, like I said, it allows you to charge your 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 phones and your laptop and your your tablets or whatever you have even if you have you know like a a, a small radio that that needs to be recharged I mean, that's one of the things that uh, is definitely is very uh, very handy to have you know and so you know it it can serve so many other purposes if you ever go camping and you go camping in a place where they don't have electricity and you need to, or electricity outlets at the campground and you need to have electricity for whatever reason you know even if it's to pump up a you know a, an air mattress right or whatever it might be even if you go out to a park to have a barbecue and you need to have electricity for just a little bit you, you can do it that way so you have a lot of options when you have an inverter and so again 
a lot of the times, you know, uh, generators will fly off the shelves. And, and sometimes all you need is just a, a little inverter to, to do this and to take care of your, your refrigerator and your freezer. And definitely you want to stock that up. I mean, that was one of the things Jamie had said that she had done. You want to fill up your freezer as much as possible early on. So if you are in the path of Hurricane Florence right now, then and you are hearing this on Monday or Tuesday when it's released, try to get containers, whatever they might be, to fill up with water so that you can put them in there so they, they have time to freeze and that will add to the temperature in there and drop the temperature. Definitely is one of those things that is uh, very beneficial to, to have. You want to have your freezer stocked and the, the colder it is in there, the longer it will stay uh, cool and you won't lose all your all your food and you know there's people that have stocked up freezers and it would be such a shame to lose all of that so just a little bit of preparedness will help you with that all right hurricane preparedness tip number four have a good ice chest ready when your power goes out during a hurricane and it's hot you will want something cold to drink as well as have a place for cold items you will want to use while the power is out remember you don't want to be opening and closing your refrigerator doors when the power is out Newer ice chests do a good job of keeping ice for days. For example, the 120-quart Coleman Coastal Extreme Cooler boasts that it will retain ice for up to six days, even in 90 degrees heat. One way to ensure your cooler stays cool is to put plastic rectangular juice containers filled with water and frozen on the bottom of the cooler. Then pour in about an inch of water and fill with ice, leaving room for your drinks, water bottles, and other items to keep cool. Make sure you place your cooler in a shaded area. Guys, let me tell you, that that uh, Coleman Coastal Extreme Cooler, man, it is pretty awesome. You know, they talk about the Yeti coolers, which, I mean, I think I priced on one time, like $750. I'm like, who's going to pay $750 for a cooler when, you know, this this uh, Coleman cooler was very affordable and worked really great, you know? And so if you have this ability... And right now, that actually the link that I have to that cooler, it's showing that um, it might not be available at uh, Amazon. Uh, well, there's some. I guess you can click on some. There's like a 60 bucks, right? But uh, this will work. So if you go, if you think of like a juice, like grape juice or whatever that comes in those rectangular, um, rectangular bottles, right? Uh, containers. And you finish drinking all of those and you maybe you store water. You have some of these that are store, storing water or whatever. And so you go ahead and you freeze those. You make sure you freeze those. You put them on that bottom uh, layer of that cooler Man, it really works to uh, to keep things cold. And if you do this, you know, you do this right, it will last for a long time. We took one up to the country, and we still had uh, ice in it after three days. And you know, it was in the shade, but we're outside the whole time. It is you know off grid, and so I was very very impressed with that setup. Doing it that way, it worked really well. And so that is one of those things that you know you can fill it up with water or with drinks. Or you know whatever sodas if you want to go that route, and you have cold things to to drink when it's hot, and uh, you don't have the AC going and 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 all that kind of stuff. So uh, you know if you can have a good ice chest, that's a, a big plus. All right. So next tip: hurricane preparedness tip number five: have batteries charged and ready. When the hurricane hits, you will want to stay aware of what is going on around your area. During Hurricane Harvey, many people communicated and rallied to help because of social media. 
As a result, battery chargers and solar battery chargers provided invaluable or proved invaluable to charge phones to stay connected. I recommend that everyone have a battery charger for everyday use as well as during crisis. One that is affordable and about the size of a normal cell phone is the iSolar Charger. It has a a small solar panel on it, but don't count on it. It really should be charged from your computer or the wall. But due to its 10,000 milliamp size, it can charge your phone two to three times. And like I mentioned, is about the size of a regular cell phone. So it can fit in your back pocket or your purse. If the power goes out for multiple days, you will want a true solar charger battery bank combination. One of the best ones on the market is the Kogula Solar Storage Bank. The solar panels will fully charge the 10,000 milliamp battery in three to five hours. I used this charger during Hurricane Harvey and it worked like a champ. So I don't have that one linked. I need to go back into this article and link that if you might be interested in it. Uh, But definitely, so not only charge all of those things, right? So if you have a tablet, if you have a laptop, if you have chargers, battery bank chargers, charge all those up, all your phones, charge all those up. But then also if you have any power tools, go ahead and charge those up. Top all that stuff off. Anything that is battery operated, go ahead and top all of that off so you have it available if you need it. So that's just smart to do and and, and smart to have those types of things. And, you know, just set those things to the side and and have them in a place where if you're, uh, and, you know, if you have batteries like AA, the Interloop batteries, or you have, um, you know, I've talked about the, um, uh, the survival hacks, uh, flashlight, right? Even those have rechargeable batteries. And if you bought spare batteries, charge all that stuff up, man. Just make sure you have it all and place it somewhere where you know where it's at. Like for, for me, it would be on my mantle, right? All of these things would be stacked up nice and neat on my mantle so that I knew I know where they're, where they're at and I can go to get them if I need to. And so, you know, that's just smart to do. So make sure you have all those things charged up. All right, hurricane preparedness tip number six. Always have a plan B, including your emergency binder. Many people inland don't usually evacuate due to a hurricane. However, the havoc of Hurricane Harvey sure is a good example of why you should have a plan B. The people on the Gulf Coast didn't receive much damage due to Hurricane Harvey, but the hurricane dropped so much rain that flooding was very widespread up and down the Gulf Coast. Your plan B can be to evacuate to the home of a relative or even go far enough inland that you can get a motel. Don't wait too long to pull the trigger to evacuate. And when you do, make sure you have everything ready to go, like your bug out bag or go bag and your emergency binder with all your important documents. People who flooded during Harvey lost everything, including important documents that are hard to track down and some that might not even be able to be replaced like high school diplomas. Having an emergency binder will ensure that you are not spending countless hours on the phone with various agencies and businesses trying to get copies of your important documents. In fact, if you are making one emergency binder, it's just as easy to make two or three. Keep one sealed up with a family member and you might even want to put one in a safety deposit box. For more information on emergency binders, click here. 
And guys, I have a link to a video that I did on emergency binders for preppers that you can go and you can click on. But yeah, so people lost everything when Hurricane Harvey happened. And, you know, my boss did. And one of the things, she is very grateful. You know, she's a single mom. She's very grateful for everybody that came over and helped. And they mucked out her her house. You know, they, they took out the sheetrock. They they cleaned up. They, they did all those types of things. But when you have all those people there, you have people putting things in boxes. And she has things in boxes she doesn't know. She hasn't been able to find a lot of things still. But even that, right, you have things like important documents and they get accidentally thrown away or they get destroyed or they're in water that you really don't want to, you know, like keep. You really should like disinfect it. But then by disinfecting it, you're messing it up even worse. And it doesn't, it, it's not valuable as a, as a real legal document anymore. So then people that go through that are having to track all of that stuff down. They're having to call government agencies. They're having to go stand in line. And I don't know about you, man, but the last time I went in to go stand in line for something like a birth certificate or, you know, something along those lines, it was a pain in the butt. I mean, you better go, you know, take a book to read or something you know, to be able to just go hang out for a long time because that's the way it is. And so if can you imagine if you had to do that with a lot of your documents? And so that's one reason why you want to put these things in a binder. You want you want to have these things, you know, even if it's electronic, whatever, however you feel comfortable in doing it, you want to make sure that you have copies so if things happen like this, you have access easy access to them, all right? All right, so hurricane preparedness tip number 7. Share your generator in return for fuel. So a generator is a great tool to have when the power is out. During Hurricane Ike, my in-laws were without power for a week. My father-in-law connected his generator to his circuit breaker panel and powered his whole house. They were able to stay cool by running a window unit instead of their AC. Running a generator for an extended time can be costly when you consider fuel. If your generator is big enough to share some of the load or the power, you might consider asking your neighbor if they would like to have access to your generator if they contributed to the fuel cost. Of course, you would have to have some guidelines like how long you will run the generator if you are not going to run it all day. And someone would need a long extension cord, but by offering your neighbor access to your generator, you might save him a lot of money by keeping his refrigerator and freezer cool. You will also allow him to charge his phones, laptops, and batteries, and he or she would truly be appreciative. So this is a way to save a little bit of money. So if you have a neighbor who does not have or cannot afford to buy a generator, but they do have you know, gallons of gasoline or they can't afford to buy gallons of gasoline, and you could go and, and talk with them and say, hey, look, I have a generator. It's a 5,000 kilowatt. I know I'm not going to be using it all. Um, you know, now you got to consider the more load that you put on a generator, the more gas you're going to use up and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you could say, hey, I am willing to, I'm going to, you know, use this maybe three or four hours, you know, intervals, right? Or maybe five hour intervals enough to keep a, a room cool with a, a window unit so that we can stay in there and not, you know, burn up to death or, you know, whatever, whatever kind of things you want to do and work this out with them in exchange for fuel. That might be something that, uh, that, you know, you can offer to save a little bit of money on fuel because you're going to go through, you know, probably, a, you know, a gallons, you're going to go through probably five gallons a day, if not more. I know that when we go up to the country and we run the window unit at night just to kind of be cool at night, pretty much the just, you know, running through the evening time, we use up about five gallons of, uh, of gas there. So you're going to use 
um, maybe not five, maybe it's three. I can't remember exactly now, but anywhere between somewhere between three and five, you know, through through the night. And so you'll use up a decent amount. And if power is out like Hurricane Harvey, right, or even Hurricane Ike, uh, power was out for a while. We weren't getting gas uh, deliveries, you know, for a couple of days. So it might be good to have some, you know, some some uh, fuel uh, back up there. And so your neighbor would be willing to share that with you. The other thing is is that you might uh, not even go and approach your neighbor that way. You might have an elderly neighbor who uh, wants to stay in their house, but you just want to make sure that they're okay. And you're like, hey, uh, you know, I have this long extension cord, and if you need power, then I want to, you know, I want to offer this, you know, my my generator to you because I'm concerned about you. I want to make sure that you're safe. And so you could also use it that way. So uh, if you can't afford a generator and that's something that you do have, you definitely want to get out there. You want to start it up. You want to make sure that it's working. If you need to do any maintenance on it, you want to do it now and uh, you know make sure that it's in good running order so when you need it, it starts right up and you don't have to worry about that. But uh, you think about you know the good the good and the goodwill that you can do uh, when you know the power is out in this situation, and then you want to make sure that it is chained down. Uh, my my parents in the neighborhood, you know, people were going in there and stealing generators. And I know that uh, when Hurricane Ike happened, uh, a couple of doors down, about three or four doors down, someone had their generator stolen, and so you just you know from their backyard. So people were going into the yard and uh into their backyards at night and taking it and so that's something that you definitely want to uh to make sure that you chain down and that uh, that stays protected all right so hurricane preparedness tip number eight don't wait to get needed supplies now this is kind of like a no-brainer but let's go ahead and read this one many hurricane supplies are common sense items that you should have already in case of an emergency so you shouldn't need to go buy batteries flashlights candles and water However, there are food items that you will want to be stocked up on and you will want some comfort food, but don't wait to get those items. Hurricane trackers are pretty accurate nowadays. When you see that a hurricane is headed for you, go to the store and pick up your items. Many people are stocking up a lot sooner due to the big high profile storms that we have had. And if you are buying items that you will eat or need anyway, then it's not like you are wasting any money. The saying is true. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And so I, I want to say this is very, this is funny, right? During Hurricane Harvey, when finally the stores started opening up, the waters receded and the stores started opening up, well, the things that were gone were milk and eggs. And for whatever reason, you could not find eggs for like a week. And it's like, what in the heck is going on? And you would, you were like, okay, is it just because deliveries aren't coming? Or and you would talk to somebody and like, no, we had like we restocked it completely this morning and it was gone within a couple of hours. Like every egg, right? Even the real like the ones that say these are organic, farm fresh eggs that cost like five dollars a carton or whatever. Like even those were gone. It's like people were just like wanted to have like bacon and eggs or whatever, right? Even my neighbor called me and said, Todd, do you have a dozen a dozen eggs I can have? You know, I'll give it back to you and when. You you know, I go to the store and I'm like, I don't have any eggs. I'm sorry. So, you know, that's, that was one of the things that I noticed. Another thing was the chip aisle was completely wiped out. And again, day after day after day. Now I wasn't going for chips. I was just kind of looking and peeking and see what kinds of things were a little bit more valuable and what people were wanting. And like I said, the chips, 
every single chip, even the nasty chips, like, you know, that you normally don't buy and they sell for really cheap. Those suckers were gone too. So people were wanting this comfort food. People were wanting, you know, you know, easy to grab open and, you know, up stuff, right? You know, the, the junk food. One of the things that there was plenty of was fresh fruit and vegetables. I'm telling you, you know, going there is like, you would think like people would buy apples and oranges and bananas and, you know, you can keep that out on your counter and not worry about it going bad. You know, even if you didn't have power, like, no, man, that there was plenty of that stuff there. And so you could easily get those things. Um, but uh, there were some things that people just desired that they wanted. And so you got to know that those things are going to go really, really fast. So if there is something that you just want to have and uh, you know you know that you're going to stick it out, you're going to ride out the storm, make sure you go early and make sure you, you get that stuff uh, early in advance. So be prepared for the next hurricane. Recent hurricanes have proven to us that we should prepare accordingly. If you take reasonable steps to prepare, you can help to mitigate some of the potential discomforts that a hurricane can cause. Hurricane preparedness doesn't have to cost a lot of money. You just need to do it and do it before a hurricane is coming straight for you. All right, so I do have some links uh, if you want to go look up hurricanes in the tag cloud here over at uh, Prepper website. There are uh, some more some more links here for you. So guys, you know, that is that is it. I mean, there is a lot of other things there that go into it. You, I mean, if you're going to be like right in the midst of the storm and you're going to be into the, the big wind and stuff, uh, if you board up your, you know, your windows and, and uh, you can do that. I know uh, I've talked about Hurricane Rita just recently. I know that my neighbor across the street, you know, after Hurricane Katrina happened and Hurricane Rita was supposed to be heading straight for us. I mean, he was putting up, you know, wooden, uh, you know, he was covering his, he was covering up his windows with wood and all that kind of stuff. I never did that because I was never really exposed. Um, there is a lot of, I guess, you know, things like houses and, and, and things where, where my house is located. So there was a lot of wind and I, let me tell you, I mean, a lot of wind, we had some palm trees back in the day and, uh, they were, I mean, they were flying all over the place. It was crazy. So, you know, you, you do have that, but I never boarded up my windows. I never felt I needed to do that. And like I said, we've, uh, you know, we've ridden out every storm here in the house. The Hurricane Harvey was a little bit scary there. We thought water was for sure going to come in and, and thank God it didn't. But uh, it does make a lot of sense to be prepared. And so I was really glad to have, uh, you know, things to the um, things that were already here and, you know, being prepared. I was able to, you know, find out information about what was going on. We were able to charge our phones. We were able to do all of that good stuff. And so uh, there's a, a lot that you can do. And so if you're hearing this and you're in the path of a storm right now, then go ahead and get prepared. Make the decisions. If you need to get out, go ahead and get out. But uh, make the decisions now to to be prepared. So that way you don't get caught, you know, just, you know, wishing that uh, you, you would have been better prepared. So it's always better to have it. Like I said here in this article, it's always better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. You know, a lot of the things that I said here are just preparedness things that you can apply to uh, a lot of preparedness, not just hurricanes. So guys, that is it for episode 398 and hurricane preparedness. I am going to be keeping you, those of you on the East Coast, all in my prayers. We're going to be praying that the hurricane bounces off and uh, and goes, you know, if that is God's will, that it would bounce off the coast and go back into the water. And, uh, you know, we just we just pray that that would be the case. 
And hopefully, if you're listening to this, you are making those preparations. Well, that's it for episode 398. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com. And that way, you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes, including that Facebook group. If you're not a member of the Facebook group and you are on Facebook, you can come on over there. And like I said, you'll get those you know automatic uh, feeds where, you know, like suspicious observer that happens every morning and it's just easy to go and click on. It's like a three minute video that gives you, you know, weather information and solar weather information, which is very, uh, you know, interesting and it's good to know all that kind of stuff. And then it's just a great group of people who are willing to share and to, uh, you know, share information and have a lot of experience. There's just a lot of collective experience there, which, uh, I'm just very blessed to be a part of and I'm very grateful for everyone who is a member over there. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.